Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. We are actually recording something unique this week for, uh, actually the first time since last week, I guess you could say. Last week it was just so crazy, busy, hectic, traveling around. It's spring break now, so I just said, well, I've got this great interview with Derek Cope. I think people will enjoy it. I've had nothing but uh, good reviews on it, so I, I guess people did. First of all, the biggest news coming out of this week is the 2020 inductees were announced, so we're just going to go through all the names. The nominees for 2020, Sam Ard, Buddy Baker, Neil Bonnet, Red Farmer, Ray Fox, Harry Gant, Joe Gibbs, John Holman, Harry Hyde, Bobby Lavani, Herschel McGriff, Ralph Moody, Marvin Panch, Jim Paschal, Larry Phillips, Ricky Rudd, Mike Stefanik, personal favorite of mine, Tony Stewart, uh, Red Vought, Waddle Wilson, and for the Landmark Award, which is one of the most prestigious awards, Edsel Ford III, Alvin Hawkins, Mike Helton, Dr. Joseph Mattioli, Ralph Seagraves, and that's it. That's all you got. But I mentioned, uh, I guess, really three big names there. Well, a lot of big names uh, for the nominees, but most especially Mike Stefanik, a personal favorite of mine, Bobby Labonte, Ricky Rudd, and Tony Stewart, I guess, is the the headline name. But I say uh, Mike Stefanik because that hits a little close to home. I believe he has... I'm not sure the tie he has to my hometown in Wilbraham, Mass. But he is uh, well-known there. Did a lot of racing over at Stafford Motor Speedway. Last time I got to see him race was down... He raced a lot of uh, modified, so a lot of you guys might not know him. Uh, if you really only watch the Cup, Xfinity, and Trucks, you probably have no idea who it is and why I'm talking about Mike Stefanik. But my Wheel and Modifieds are very popular up in New England in the Northeast, and he was just an incredible driver for them. And the last time I got to see him race in person was down at Daytona, and I think it was 2012 off the top of my head. And it was the year of the very, very famous video clip where he got wrecked on the last lap. The guy in third place pushed the guy in second right into Mike Stefanik, who was in first. And there was a, uh, this was back when Speed was broadcasting the race. And they were interviewing him afterwards and they said, so, um, Mr. Stefanik, this is the second night in a row that we've seen the leader get wrecked out on the last lap in one of the last turns. And they said it was, uh, he said it was not his fault. They got pushed into you. What do you have to say about that? And Mike Stefanik, completely red in the face, just sits there and goes, Yeah, right. Well, I guess I can't really say much because whatever I say, it's going to be the wrong thing. And he went on and he started swearing and everything else. But it was just very, very funny seeing it actually in person at the track. I watched that race from the backstretch grandstands, which I believe now have been removed at Daytona, as of uh, Daytona Rising. But boy, oh boy, he's uh, actually a really incredible wheelman, so that's pretty great to see him put into the, possibly put into the Hall of Fame. Has 74 wins over 450 starts, and doing some quick math, the win percentage for him, 74 divided by 450, 16.4%. That's pretty incredible. So, out of every 100 races he runs, he wins over 16 of them. That's pretty impressive. You gotta admit, the stats there are real, uh, real impressive. Tony Stewart, 49 wins over 618 starts. Doing the math there for that. 
comes out to 7.9%, so under half that of Mike Stefanik if you really uh, care about win percentages. However, Tony Stewart obviously raced up at the cup level. The competition there is kind of uh, extremely different than what is in the Wheel and Modifieds. So, Tony Stewart, a bit of a controversial figure. We're not going to really get too far into that, but some people are uh, very up in arms that he's being nominated. Some people are very happy. You cannot deny the man's stats with almost 50 wins at the cup level. That's pretty incredible. Three championships as well. It's just really unbelievable. Some other big names. Uh, Joe Gibbs, one of the greatest team owners of all time, really. Successful at pretty much everything he does, it seems. And Bobby Labonte is up there as well. I've seen him race a few times um, in person and watched him on TV before. Never really understood why I pulled for him, because by the time I started watching, he was in low-tier equipment. But I guess I'd heard the name before, so I would... I wouldn't mind if he was running well when I was watching back when I was younger, maybe in 2010, 2011. I'm not sure when he made his last start, but go figure. And like I said, Ricky Rudd is another big name that people are excited about. Hopefully, I I guess hopefully for him getting into the Hall of Fame. Personally, I I would like to see Mike Zafonic go in just just to uh, really keep the Wheeling Modified community in mind. They're... uh, Easy to forget, seen as pretty much the fourth highest series, but the highest NASCAR-sanctioned open-wheel series, and those cars are just absolutely incredible. I've had the uh, very great opportunity to actually work on those cars, and Ryan Priest comes from Wheel and Modified, grew up uh, racing those. I've seen him race those before at Stafford and Thompson, and with the teams I was working on, working on those cars, building them for the races, the one biggest concern really usually is Ryan Freeze because when he's there you're not fighting for the win anymore because you know Ryan's going to get it you're fighting for second place and second place feels like a win but that just goes to say everyone is really uh, really singing Ryan Freeze's uh, praises this year which is awesome to see another New Englander up there with Joey Logano I imagine they get along pretty well but who knows opposite manufacturers competing manufacturers but Ryan Freeze is a very genuine down-to-earth guy in the times I've gotten to meet and talk to him and he he's right there in his shop working on the cars you know and he's used to saving equipment because when he was racing growing up that was him fixing his own stuff whatever he wrecked he fixed and it's sort of a Ricky Senhouse Jr. story where he wrecked so many cars at Roush in the Xfinity series they told him well whatever you wreck you fix and all of a sudden he wrecked cars a whole lot less and I believe uh, Ryan Freeze was out there at like 7 a.m. West Coast time and out there just working with his guys, loading up the hauler, heading out for Auto Club this week, which is coming up this weekend. Speaking of Auto Club, I'm sure many of you, if you didn't watch qualifying, you heard about it, and I happen to be watching. I don't usually watch qualifying, but boy, was it... It was uh, something else, this new aero package. Whoever went out first was essentially getting penalized like it or not, one way or another, they were going to be so slow if they went were the first car out in group qualifying that nobody went with them. So Kurt Busch went out, he did a single car run, and he finished dead last in round two. He just had no speed compared to everyone else in the draft. And you don't really think of Auto Club as a you know pack racing track, but with this new aero package, everywhere is. If you're drafting at Atlanta and it's crucial, then Auto Club is just 
you know, even longer. It's two and a half miles with shallower banking than Daytona. So you're going into those turns and you are actually barely letting off the gas to get through them with this new aero package. And like it or not, people are, uh, they're on both sides of the fence. People tend to agree that the racing is better, but the drivers are unhappy and that's leaving the fans unhappy really. If, if the drivers can't go out there and say, oh, it's so much fun racing this car, and they can't rely on the engineers to make it better, it's just where they end up, and if they're in clean or dirty air, and that's about it, they're not having as much fun, they're not putting on as good a show. I, that's what I'm afraid of happening, is that they're not going to get this great show that they're wanting, which is the whole reason for this new aero package, because the drivers aren't invested in it. They hate sitting there wide open on, you know, going around the track. And I've said this before, and I'll, I'm sure I'll say it again, those guys have raced their entire lives, and they're finally getting the opportunity to race at the cup level against the greatest drivers, you know, closed-wheel drivers in the world, and that's what they get, flooring it around the track. And I don't think too many of them are all too happy about it. I know not too many of them are all too happy about it. I have uh, an interview with Corey LaJoy that, unfortunately, I, I can't use. He asked me in the end not to use it. And I feel that editing it down and removing the parts that are crucial to it would really just... It would give a skewed appearance of it, and I don't want to even show any sort of bias with taking information out or whatnot. So I have that interview, but the contents of it, he's saying how frustrating it is as a driver that he just sits there wide open. He's raced his whole life. He's been working on every car that he wrecked to get, you know get it back on track and go out and race again, racing all the way up from the K&N series from where his roots, and he just sits there wide open. That's not fulfilling. He wants to go out there and say he raced that car as hard as he possibly could have, and he doesn't really get to do that. And not to throw Corey under the bus or say, Corey's anti-NASCAR or anything like that. No, that's just what what he's putting out, and that's that's pretty much par for the course with these drivers. They're really not happy in these cars. But we're uh, yet to see. With qualifying today, because that first driver was so much slower than everyone else, no one wanted to be the first car out. So what ended up happening in round two is people made it to the line with about three seconds left before round two ended, which means they had three seconds to make you know, their lap, to reach the line to make their last lap in before the session ended. In the last lap... Everyone was trying to play mind games with each other. Nobody really wanted to go. And it ended up being every single car missed the line. And nobody made a run in the third round of qualifying. Which means the round two times were used, so Austin Dillon's on the pole. And I'm sure he was trying to play those games so that nobody got to the line. And for him, it worked out fantastically. Because he gets the pole without having to put down the lap. But if one car, one car even if they were out there running by themselves, had made a, a lap, they would have had the pole, regardless of how fast they were, because they were the only car to make one. And qualifying did not sit too well with the fans. Uh, Twitter immediately blew up, and uh, I imagine there was quite a bit of a discussion over at the NASCAR hauler about what all to do. And the press announcement that NASCAR put out essentially said, this is not at all what we expected to happen. This was not our intention and we're going to be changing up qualifying. They they haven't said how qualifying is going to be changed, but by Texas, which is in two weeks, Martinsville next week. So by Texas, a whole new method of qualifying is going to be 
par for the course. And I think that podcast, usually I try and get these podcasts done Friday night so they can be out. You can listen to them on Saturday when you wake up. I think with that one, I'm going to wait until after qualifying to talk about how that's going to work. That's going to be quite interesting to see because there's so much stuff with this new package and it's only going to be around until the Gen 7 cars come out. Once we get Gen 7, then we're, we're done with this aero package and it may be built in to the Gen 7 cars, but I have a feeling this package isn't going to stick around too long. Quote me, quote me now, March 15th, almost March 16th, 2019. I don't think this aero package is going to last until the end of the year. I think it's going to be sort of phased out or at least modified so that the cars have more horsepower and a little less downforce by the end of the year. I could be wrong, but I just I think with how the fans are reacting to it and how boring the racing is, according to fans, that it's not going to hang around too long. Who knows? That's speculation. That's about all I can do is just guess at how things are going to go. I've also made a couple other bold predictions that are yet to come to fruition. I said Ryan Priest was going to win a... uh, I believe I said he was going to win a race. And I was for sure that he was going to be Rookie of the Year. I still think he's going to be Rookie of the Year. I hope he wins a race. I would love to see it, but I'm not as positive. It seems like they're... uh, Their first three weeks were pretty incredible runs, and now they're not really doing so well. And I don't know if it's them or the Chevys. Kurt Busch is the only Chevy to have finished in the top five so far. I don't think anyone realizes that, but he has two top five finishes. He's the only Chevy in the field to have gotten a top five. That's a pretty noteworthy stat, and this is year two of the Camaro, and they still seem to have not really figured it out, which is unfortunate. They really deserve better. Chevy deserves better than this. And they really need to work and figure out what the core issue is that's causing these cars to just not be as competitive as Toyota and and Ford. Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. I'm sure they've got engineers working around the clock at it. But who knows? That's uh, something they're keeping under wraps no matter how much you try and find out. In other NASCAR news, Jeb Burton is going to be... He's Ward's son. Ward Burton's son, Jeb, is going to be driving for Spire Motorsports uh, from Martinsville. Actually, yeah, I believe it's Fire Motorsports off the top of my head, and I'll make a correction on Twitter if I'm wrong, at Bottled Up Radio. Tweet at me, follow me, whatever. Tell me what you like, what you don't like. A little minor self-plug there. But the point of it is Jeb Bush is going to be making a return to the Cup Series. He's going to be racing Martinsville. He's pretty darn good at Martinsville. I, th- I don't think anyone can really argue that. He's had a great track record there. No pun intended. <laughs> but Jeb Burton will be back. He- go and listen to the interview I put up with him when I hosted him. And that- he's a great guy to talk to, and I would like to get him back on the show, and I will have that coming up in the next few uh, weeks. He will be back on the show. And other, I guess, more personal news, quote-unquote, directly related to the podcast... I'm uh, going to at least a few races this summer to cover them. I've put in re- requests for our credentials at Pocono, at not Dover yet. I'm still on the fence on Dover. I'm trying to go, but it's right after finals. So my finals end on a Friday because I'm still in college. So finals end on Friday. I could leave Saturday and make it to Dover that afternoon, Saturday afternoon find somewhere cheap to stay and watch the race on Sunday, but I would have all my stuff with me in the car, so kind of uh, not really trying to do that. But we'll see. It would absolutely be 
I've always wanted to see a race at Dover, so if I do end up going, I'm going to be covering it. New Hampshire Motor Speedway, I'm sure I'll be back there covering that. Watkins Glen, actually both Pocono races, I should say, because there's two. And I believe the second one is the one where the trucks are there alongside the cup cars. And Anthony Alfredo is going to be there, so that's going to be a lot of fun. He's going to be, we're going to be live with Anthony from the track, I think. He's a great guy. Watch more trucks, everybody. Watch more trucks. That racing is some of the best out there in NASCAR. I truly do believe it. Watch more trucks. I've been saying that, and I'll continue to say it. Anyways, like I said earlier, tweet at me, at Bottled Up Radio. Tweet what you like. Tweet what you don't like. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man. I can take the criticism. You can tell me what you don't like about the show. Uh, thank you again to everyone that listens. You guys are the ones that make this show possible. Keep up with everything on Twitter. Again, keep up with everything there. I do shout-outs for sponsors of mine. Uh, Froyo Express out of Purdue University down in the uh, first floor of 3rd Street Suites, 3rd Street Market. Froyo Express, fantastic frozen yogurt from there. If you couldn't guess what they sell, Froyo Express sells frozen yogurt. Go figure. Greystone Inc. treat us fantastically. Great sponsors of ours. And at the Black Sheep 99 the Black Sheep Media, social media company, at the Black Sheep 99 uh, help out with my race team, and as well as Martin Vintage, martinvintage.com, great shirts there, awesome people, they help me out a ton, they are just absolutely great to work with, put out some fantastic shirts, they have sales going on fairly regularly, pretty much every week something's on sale, so go check them out as well, and I hope you all enjoyed this episode of Followed Up, this is coming out March 16th, so next week, the 23rd, we'll be talking Martinsville, one of my favorite topics. I love the racing down there, so stay tuned for that episode. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Bottled Up Podcast.